Welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, as we ready ourselves for a new year, Dave Thornton of Tyndale House Publishers discusses the importance of reading through the Bible in one year, as well as praying for our nation, concepts that are part of a new resource. You'll be hearing from him coming up. Plus, personal relationships could be an area that can be addressed in the coming year. And relationship expert Deborah Falada offers some insight into the seasons that interpersonal relationships, including marriage, encounter. Plus, spoken word artist David Bowden visited with me recently to discuss a new project that features a series of videos corresponding to books of the Bible. Some of his comments are ahead. And on this edition of The Intersection... Terry Wardle leads a ministry called Healing Care and provides some perspective on how God can restore us by His Spirit working in our hearts and minds, something he experienced after planning a church and leading a seminary. His life shows how God can take people from breakdown to breakthrough. Finally, Brian Sanders has faced his own unique set of issues, but he too has experienced God's faithfulness and strength at the Christian Product Expo International. He shared about his personal journey and related some leadership principles. Part of that conversation is ahead. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Dave Thornton is Bible Brand Director at Tyndale House and talked with me recently about a new resource called the One Year Pray for America Bible, NLT, which includes prayer prompts to pray for the nation in the context of a one-year Bible reading plan and a foreword by U.S. Senate Chaplain Barry Black. Here now from that conversation is Dave Thornton. Stepping back in time just a bit, our founder, uh, Dr. Ken Taylor, had a vision probably over 30 years ago now to create a Bible that would be easier for people to get through the whole text of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, in 365 daily readings. And he put together an outline that included a reading each day from the Old Testament, the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. And then we organized and actually printed the Bible in that somewhat non-traditional order with daily readings for each day from, de- from uh, January 1st to December 31st. So we've been selling this one-year Bible for decades. It is the best-selling daily reading Bible in America. But really, over the last year, our company uh, felt uh, the need, as I'm sure many of your listeners have felt, to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to spend more time in prayer for our country, to both be in the Word, but also to be on our knees and praying for our leaders and our leaders in every sphere of society, from politics to first responders to church leaders. So this Bible really kind of provides daily prayer prompts interspersed with that day's reading to make it easier to know how to lift up our voices to heaven, uh, asking God to intercede uh, in the lives of our leaders. So basically, you've taken this one-year Bible, which is a product that, as you mentioned, Tyndale has been involved with for quite some time, and then you've added to it the content that can really be specific and help believers really understand how to pray and to to prompt, as you said, Christians to be praying for our nation and its leaders and, and people within a variety of different roles in society, correct? That's right. And you know, we really just had this idea in April of this year, so it's uh, somewhat <laughs> miraculous we were able to get a Bible like this to market so quickly, but 
We had the privilege of working with the Senate chaplain, Dr. Barry Black. Uh, He's published some wonderful books with our ministry on the topic of prayer, so we knew this was in his wheelhouse, and so he created the foreword for us. And then we selected uh, both these daily prayer prompts that are really only three or four sentences long. And then in addition, we have 12 full-length four-color prayers tipped in throughout the Bible from uh, everything from our founding fathers to uh, Billy Graham and Vonette Bright uh, to some uh, lyrics of some famous American hymns, uh, including the fourth verse of My Country Tis of Thee, which I don't ever remember singing, but it was uh, sung by a choir uh, in Boston on July 4th, 1831, and it really is a, a prayer in that fourth verse of My Country Tis of Thee. How do you see that disciples of Christ, those who follow him, can really make an impact in this society in which we find ourselves today? Yeah, well, one of the Bible verses that we think speaks to the the potential impact we could have as followers of Christ by reading the Word and praying this way for our leaders comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, where it says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live power, or sorry, peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. And I think that verse spoke to us because we felt like we're not sure if in the last year uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ, ourselves included, would be characterized by our neighbors, by people on maybe a different side of the political aisle from us, as peaceful and quiet and godly and dignified. And so we believe using this Bible, praying these prayers, might make us each become a bit more peaceful and quiet and godly and full of uh, God-honoring dignity. Dave Thornton here on The Intersection. Find out more through the website tyndale.com. Well, next up on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's relationship expert Deborah Folata. She talked with me recently about her book, Love in Every Season, Understanding the Four Stages of Every Healthy Relationship. From that conversation, this is Deborah Folata now. As a licensed counselor, I work with so many couples, thousands and thousands of couples, and um One thing that has been profound for me is just kind of being on the observing end and witnessing that relationships, no matter if they've been married for a few years or 40 years, 50 years or more, relationships go through a pattern, um, a cyclical pattern that I like to call the seasons of a relationship. And it kind of happens time and time again and over and over. And, And so I think it's really important that we can identify these seasons so that we can navigate through them in a healthy way. Well, there is a passage of Scripture that actually talks about seasons of life. It says, to paraphrase to everything, there is a season. That is from the third chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. So tell me, before we start talking about these seasons, just a bit about how your faith actually is integrated into the work that you do. Yeah, well, um, as a licensed professional counselor, I say that everything that I teach is rooted in faith because I'm a I'm a believer, and I I, I think my relationship with Jesus Christ has to inform 
everything that I do and everything that I teach couples to do, because ultimately God's word and God's principles are timeless. And when we compare those timeless truths with psychology and counseling, I think we get such a marvelous result in the end. Well, when you talk about these four seasons of a relationship, let's kind of build the foundation here of the conversation today. What are those four seasons? Well, just as nature goes through spring, summer, fall, and winter, so do relationships. We, we start in this season of spring, and spring is the season of growth. Spring is the season of heightened emotion and blossoming and blooming of attraction and the building of friendship and planting healthy seeds. And then we move into the season of summer. Summer is the season when things get hot and we start shedding our layers. Summer is the season of intimacy, emotionally and spiritually, and for those who are married, sexually. And then we move into the season of fall. Fall is when our true colors begin to shine through and we realize we're two different people with different backgrounds and different opinions and we struggle with the topics of conflict and communication in the season of fall. And then we move into the season of winter, which tends to be the season where things begin to cool off and many couples can find themselves feeling the mundane, the routine, the familiarity of the relationship, and that can often lead to apathy. So we kind of cycle through these seasons over and over again, and and they don't necessarily happen simultaneously. Um, They don't necessarily happen in a linear way, one by one. I mean, every relationship kind of navigates these seasons a little differently, but the most important thing is to recognize which season we're in and how we can make the most of that season. How do you get from this season of winter, this season of apathy, into this time of renewal in the spring? It seems like that would be a difficult jump for for couples. You know, it is difficult, but the truth is um, we serve a God of difficult things. We serve a God of impossible things. And when I look at 1 Corinthians 13, I see an action plan. It's not a list of emotions because usually in winter we are struggling. We are not feeling it. But God doesn't give us feelings that we need to have in order to cultivate love. He gives us action steps we need to take. Um, every single every single verse in 1 Corinthians 13 comes down to a verb, uh, something we can actually do to begin planting healthy seeds in our relationship, to begin the actions of love. And when we begin acting on those things, eventually our feelings follow suit. And, and, and when we do the right things in a relationship, we'll eventually begin to feel the right things as well and, and find ourselves moving back into the season of spring. Deborah Faleta here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website truelovedates.com. Next up on this edition of the program, it's spoken word artist David Bowden. He visited with me recently to discuss a new project featuring a series of videos corresponding to books of the Bible. It's called Spoken Gospel. Here now with some information is David Bowden. I'm a Bible nerd at heart, and so <laughs> I, I've just, I, I got my my 
undergrad in Bible and biblical languages and uh, almost finished up with my master's in theology. And um, so I just love the Bible. And uh, over the last five or six years, though, I, I really had an awakening in how I was reading my Bible, especially my Old Testament. And then that really was affecting how I was preaching it, how I was discipling people, helping people through suffering, answering people's questions about the Bible. And that awakening, that change happened when I started to see that um, what Jesus taught his disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24 is very true, that Jesus is on every page of Scripture, that the whole Bible, mm. the law, the prophets, the Psalms are all about him, and that we do not read our Bibles correctly um, until we see Jesus uh, in every passage, and uh, that, that this whole word has been God-breathed and inspired to point us to the Messiah, the Son of God. And so um, as I started to do that, I just got this fire in me to be like, man, we want the world to, to change the way that they see the Bible, because we're hearing all these studies done by Barna and other groups, and um, people who are sympathetic towards the Bible, the, the number one description they give of it is a, a profitable book for moral teaching. And I'm like, that, that is part of the Bible, and like, it does tell us how to yeah. live, but it ultimately tells us who Jesus is. And like, I want people to see and savor Jesus in their Bibles. And so we really set out to just like, change people's perception of the Bible, that it's ultimately a book about Jesus and shows us him preeminently, and then that will affect our lives and change how we live. And so that's really the heart of where it started from, was a desire to show people Jesus in all of Scripture. Now, these are not videos of you sitting behind a desk and reciting poetry. You already mentioned that there is a musical component. So tell me about the the different ingredients that go yeah. into this overall mix here. And figuring out that, that, that recipe, I like, I like that. <laughs> figuring out that recipe took us a long time to really figure out what, what would help convey these messages the best. But what we came down to was we wanted to do one poem for every single book of the Bible, and um, we would make those uh, in video form. And we decided that I would not be in them physically. My voice is there as a voiceover, but not you don't you never see me. And uh, instead, what we do is we dramatize them out, as you said, and um, we, we, we get actors and set pieces and props, and we tell dr dramatized stories, but we do it in a really modern way, so no one's dressed up in, you know, like a, a, like a turban or a long robe, or, you know, it doesn't look very Bible character-esque. It looks very modern, and that's kind of what we're wanting to do. And, uh, and, and so, but then, then, like you said, it's scored with music, and so you're getting the story of every book with poetry and music and acting, or we're filming Song of Songs this weekend, and um, it's going to have dancing in it. And so like the Song of Songs will be portrayed like a ballet. And, um, and, and what we're doing in all of those, those videos is two main things. We're trying to explain that book's main theme and how that theme is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. The book of Genesis. Give me a, yeah. a little description about what you've got going on in that particular video. The thing that really helps the book of Genesis hold together um, and make a lot of sense of why there are upwards of 10 genealogical lists in that book, which can trip up modern readers, <laughs> is we, we need to remember what happened um, at the fall in Genesis 3, when God said that um, the, the seed of the woman would have enmity with the seed of the serpent, and there would be these two lines, these two genealogies that would split from humanity at its base. And, G and Genesis helps us trace those two lines. So we get the seed of the serpent's line, tracing 
through um, like Canaan and Egypt and all those 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 tribes that end up getting driven out um, in Joshua. Uh, but then we also get the seed of the woman, and that follows you know Seth and Noah and Terah and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and into the people of Israel. And so what we did was we we showed that um, there was this fall that happened, and we 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 represent sin by breaking off branches from this gorgeous magnolia tree, and one person after another, even though they're in God's promised line, they come up and they break these branches off of God's tree until it's completely barren, and there's no one there to make it right. No one has, has become this promised seed that would ultimately crush the head of the serpent and, and bring life where all we've brought is death. And so there's this moment of stillness and darkness and patience, and the question is, who will come and save us? And that's when Jesus walks onto the scene, and he, he rebuilds Eden by turning the cross, or, or sorry, by turning the tree that was stripped bare into his cross and, uh, and taking on the death that we brought into the world so that he could rebuild the tree, rebuild Eden in our midst. So we tell that, that story visually. It's, it's one of my favorites. David Bowden here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website SpokenGospel.com. This is The Intersection Podcast. It's a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through MeetingHouseOnline.info, or you can visit the programming section at FaithRadio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center marked Meeting House On Demand. That's the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast. The podcast can be found in the Media Center, and it's available through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Plus, there's a link to video content. Conversations from the Meeting House program can also be found through the Faith Radio app. Learn more about downloading it for your smartphone or tablet by visiting the Faith Radio website. Plus, you can find conversation materials and the Intersection podcast through a variety of podcast platforms. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Next, it's Terry Wardle. He's founder of Healing Care at HCM International. He's also the founding pastor of Risen King Community Church in Redding, California. In our recent conversation, he talked about God's renewal in his life, as he writes about in the book Some Kind of Crazy, an unforgettable story of profound brokenness and breathtaking grace. Here now is Terry Wardle. By all outward appearances, I was experiencing a great deal of success, but that success was really based obviously in part by God's gifting and anointing, but a lot of it was performance and workaholism, and I wasn't dealing with internal anxieties, and it caught up with me. And as a result of that, I got to where I I was deeply depressed and dealing with lots of fear. I heard about a program uh, actually about 1,500 miles away from where I was living, and I went and I admitted myself to the hospital, and that was a very difficult time. And to be honest with you, I thought it would be the end of ministry for me. And I guess in a way it was the end of ministry, the way I was doing it. But I remember very well one of the first nights sitting on my bed weeping there in the hospital, and a sentence from Corey Ten Boom came back to my mind, the object of your greatest pain can become the source of your greatest blessing when you offer it to God. And I realized all I could say was, God, I don't know how you can use this mess, but I'm going to offer it to you. And I did. And one of the most important things I learned was this. It's not enough to try to deal with emotional trauma by learning new concepts and memorizing new scriptures. You need to have a new experience. 
You need to be able to go back into your past with the Lord and experience his presence there, grieving the loss, processing the pain, letting the Lord bring new light to you. And that's what the Lord began to do in my life. And and it went far beyond the idea of talk therapy or new concepts. It became a new experience of Jesus. And he began to lay out for me a pathway to not only help myself, but to position other people for the same kind of transformation, because there are many, many really, really good Christians that are struggling significantly with issues of fear and depression and at different levels of anxiety and memories of the past. And most of those good Christians are told, pray more, read the Bible more, go to church more, but it really doesn't touch the emotional healing that they need deep inside. But Jesus loves to meet us there. You know, Bob, one of the things I learned is Christ likes to meet us in the ditch, Hmm. the ditch of our own brokenness. And if I were a brighter man, I would write a book called Ditch Theology, because (laughs) I found out that he does some of his best work right in your mess. When you're sitting there and you wonder you can't get out of it, and all of a sudden you turn, and there's Jesus right beside you saying, let me help you in this. Let me help you receive my healing. I want to carry your pain. I want to grieve your loss with you. And, And that's what happened that began to put me on a road to healing. And I started to share that with other people. By the way, I thought that telling people I'd been in a psychiatric hospital would make them run the other way. But, you know, I saw a lot of broken people actually move closer. And they said, look, if God can do what he did in your life, do you think he can do the same in mine? And the answer is he can do that and more. You have a term that you use called mental time traveler. That's one of these foundational concepts here as far as the framework that God gave you. So take us through what that means and how really embracing that concept can help someone on his or her road to healing. That term mental time traveler was actually coined by a behavioral scientist named Endel Tolving. And one of the things he said is that when we have unresolved emotional issues from the past, we can be living in the present and something can happen that triggers us. And all of a sudden, we're not really responding to what's happening in the now. We're responding to what happened in the past because it's triggered in our life a very active live memory. Being a mental time traveler in the model that I've developed is inviting Jesus to bring to the surface the unresolved emotional memories that we have. And then as we begin to re-experience that story and that pain, inviting Jesus into that memory, letting him speak to it, let him be present with us. And all of this kind of grew out of my understanding of the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, because there when Jesus was really grieving, God didn't give him a scripture. God gave him an experience of his presence. And it was that experience of the presence that brought freedom for him to move forward to Calvary. And I think many of us that have been broken or we keep trying to learn a new concept, thinking that that concept might set us free when what we need is to be a mental time traveler with the Holy Spirit to go back into the emotional ruptures of the past and let Jesus heal us there. Terry Wardle here on The Intersection. Find out more at healingcare.org. Now to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2019 Christian Product Expo International in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The author of the book, Leadership Endurance, Brian Sanders, Executive Vice President of Positive Alternative Radio, shared about some principles exhibited by a number of leaders throughout history. He also shared about some elements of his own personal journey. Here now is Brian Sanders. God takes us through stuff. 
not to destroy us, but to equip us. That's good stuff. Brian Sanders joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio, leader, motivational speaker, and author here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio. It is CPE International in Tennessee. Brian Sanders has been spending some time with us today here on the program, the author of this book called Leadership Endurance. And we've been talking about this ability really to persevere even through difficulty. And, you know, one of the things about life, difficulty is going to come. There's going to be adversity. There are going to be those barriers to accomplishing what God has called us to do. One of of the things that I like to say is that we don't get to determine which problems arrive at our doorstep. Right. But we do get to decide how, how, how we respond to those problems. So that's what the book is about. And so it centers around Lincoln, Churchill, FDR, and then Grant. And uh, it looks at life through their eyes and then how they endured. Well, talk about the inspiration for this particular book. I mean, you, you obviously are putting this into practice. You've been a motivational speaker. You go and train leaders. You train leaders within your own company. So why write a book about it? Because... I've wanted to quit a million times. (laughs) I've been in radio 36 years, and yet I have a speech defect. I actually stutter. So you will see me avoiding certain words. And it takes great courage for me to sit behind this microphone without a script and have a conversation with you. Because there's going to be words that I'm going to want to use I'm, that, like I'm trying to avoid. You just blew me away. It's like I would never have. Yeah. So I, I would I'm actually never have detected that. So you're you're choosing your words carefully. I am choosing them carefully. Okay. Uh, I will That's never say the last uh, the last book of the Bible is Revelation. I will actually say the last book of the Bible because I stutter because I because I struggle with that particular word a lot. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm a man of size. Uh, so I actually struggle with that, and, and, and so I have a personal trainer, and so I'm on a speaking tour, and I'm going around, and I'm doing leadership stuff. Did you hear the L right there? So I'm going around. You did around. that on purpose, didn't no, you? No, I didn't. <laughs> so I'm going around speaking, and that exposes all, all, all these insecurities. But my passion for what I want to accomplish is greater than you hearing me stutter or people seeing a guy who is overweight. And that's what we have to realize. And this is for mom, dad, pastor, anybody. Your goal to see those kids grow up and be great kids who live for Jesus has to be greater than the frustration of having to pick up those clothes for the millionth time or even step on Legos for the millionth time. Your passion for, 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 for their end game has to be greater than that. So from a biblical standpoint, how has your Christian faith motivated you to keep on keeping on, as you might say? He, uh, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. This hall of faith. These men and women who are in there who have clay feet. None of these people in. Let me say it like this. Hebrews 11 folk, they would not be on church staff, (laughs) but they made it in the Bible. Yeah. That tells me that imperfect people can impact the world. As a matter of fact, 
that's the only kind of people who ever have. Brian Sanders here on The Intersection. Learn more by going to the website, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, Sanders, author, We're nearing the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, the final podcast of 2019. Thanks for joining me today. You can learn more by going to meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast. The podcast can also be found through the Media Center as well as through iTunes. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House, and the other is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. You can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page, and there's a link to video content. Again, that website address, meetinghouseonline.info, or go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Again, the website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.